Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I want you to stop what you're doing, unless you're driving, and go sign up for our newsletter. We have the link in the show notes, and you need to get on it now because it is full of information. Our Lit newsletter comes out once a week, and it has everything that's happening in the Lit community, including classes, workshops, retreats, free classes, on and on. Plus, we have blog with recipes articles, and every week we have a PT corner written by one of the many PTs in our lit community. So we can help you with knee pain, text neck issues, pelvic floor discomfort, so much more. So join our newsletter, go to that link in the show notes. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today I am so lucky to have an in-person friend with me. Dr. Natty Bandesack is another physiotherapist who I met through Dr. Jerry, PT, um, Jerry Yu, who has been on my podcast before. And he introduced me to Natty, and Natty lives in New Jersey and came down to do this interview in person. And we could have talked for hours. Even though we're two physical therapists, we really cover so much. And what I love about Natty is his spirit and his energy and his um, really true intention to help people move and feel better. And he's got lots of great quotes and mantras that he kind of lives by. He has a wonderful story moving here from Thailand and then um, getting into shape after being teased um, in school for being a little chubby, as he says, and then how that path took him into physical therapy and eventually to opening his own clinic and running that and so much more. So we have a very similar um, ethos in terms of wanting to work in a quality way with our clients. Um, and so we've gone about it in two different ways, but so many crossovers. And we get into how this impacts your mental and emotional state. And he is just a sweetheart of a guy, super smart, um, really strong, really buff. So you'll have to check out the um, video version of this, but please enjoy my conversation with the wonderful Dr. Natty. Welcome, Natty. So happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on this podcast. I know. It was so great because I was on yours and I know you're a great interviewer. So I hope I can, you know, do the same for you. <laughs> no, I, I think you're going to set the bar really, really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I want to know viewers, um, Check this out on Natty's uh, YouTube or my YouTube, but he's a big guy. Tell us, like, are you, have you always been that 
that like muscular and filled out, I'm very um, impressed. Well, honestly, like growing up, I was pretty chubby. Like, so when I moved here from Thailand, I didn't play any sport. I was a swimmer, competitive swimmer in Thailand, but just never really got into working out. And then as I, you know, middle school kids are tough. Yeah. And especially just moved here. Um, so I'm like, so, all right. So just boys are tough too. Cause obviously I only have girl I think girls are worse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I want to say girls are way worse. Uh, I'm so <laughs> lucky to be uh, a, a, a boy when I was moving in here. Um, but. But they can still call you names and stuff. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And like my, my real name is not to Pong Pong. So it's 14 letters. Oh, wow. So can you imagine like just moving here and like, I remember just like the, the teacher would just look and. As, long, as soon as they pause, I'm like, oh, that's me. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was just like, oh, yeah, here I am. So uh, fast forward, I changed my name legally to Natty when I got my citizenship. So that's a lot easier for people to call me. And, you know, remember those, like, Scantron bubbles? They have to fill oh, up? yeah. Yeah, so I wouldn't fit at all. So now <laughs> I can fit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my 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 uh, my journey to to, like, healthcare always started with fitness. So I started working out freshman year of high school. And I think back then everyone was watching wrestling, right? And then when you watch wrestling, you see guys like they they work out. They, they... I was like, all right, I want to look like that. How do I do that? So I joined the YMCA, uh, and they had like an after-school kids program. And this one guy just kind of like, hey, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna work out. And I think the biggest win I got for the first time ever was to be able to do one push-up. And I'm and like I remember I was showing my dad. I was like, dad, check this out. And I was doing one push up, and he was like, "Oh, that's pretty good." Like, he's like, "Well, can you do 10? So, and then from there, I'm like, "Cool." Like, I'm gonna keep going down the path. So, I think fitness is always, since then, has been a big part of my life. Do you feel like that? Because um, I imagine moving to a new country, a new culture, a new school, friends, and all that. Do you feel like um, fitness empowered you at a time that was? lots of change was happening and gave you like more sense of self? I think that's a great question. I, I, I yes, I think looking back is a good self-discovery journey to, um, you know, I, I put a quote the other day is that, um, you know, a person is both a, a sculptor and also a marble. So I think to me, the journey to fitness is that you are your own marble, but you also get to sculpt what you want to be your, your ideal self to be. And I think, Without working out, I wouldn't have made that realization. And, you know, because I was working out, I was getting bigger, I was getting results. Friends that I know, people who wouldn't normally talk to me, would come up and ask me for some advice. And now I can create my own friend group. And, I mean, the, the coolest thing was we all get off the bus uh, after school, would go to my apartment, wash uh, pumping iron, <laughs> and then walk to the YMCA together. And it worked out for two hours. And that's, that's that's awesome. Well, that's a really great like after school yeah. <laughs> activity. I'm sure there's a lot worse out there. Yeah. Um. So then, moving on from there, like, when did you decide that you wanted to do this some kind of fitness wellness as your profession? Was that pretty early on? And then, how did you kind of clarify physical therapy, mm -hmm. which is a very kind of specific niche of fitness wellness? Mm -hmm. So, in the beginning, I, I mean, I always have a job. Right. Ever since I was 16, I was a busboy at a Thai restaurant. I was a busboy at a Japanese restaurant. I did catering. Then I worked in retail. Uh, and then from there, I ended up working at New York Sport Club at, at a kids club doing like kids birthday party. But when I worked there, 
I got a free gym membership. So I started working out more and more. Then I started working out with some personal trainers who became my friends. And they were giving me like tips and tricks of like how to train this and that. And from there, I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Like, I was like, you get to do this for a living. Like people pay you for you to like <laughs> tell them how to work out and then get them results. I was like, that's really cool. So when I graduated high school, I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I I didn't do the best uh, with my SAT. So I ended up in community college for two years. During that time, I didn't study to get my certification to be a personal trainer. So I moved from New York Sport Club kids section to personal training. And then from there, I started training people. I started training myself like even more and more. So I really got into it. And within those two years, I completely changed from wanting to do nursing school or business to kinesiology. And then I applied to University of Maryland to get a degree there. So I was like, all right, great. I think this is where I'm going to be, which is in the fitness field. And even when I graduated University of Maryland, I thought I was going to move to D.C. and open like a, a boutique studio or some sort. Um, but, you know, my girlfriend, who's now my wife at the time, she was like, well, maybe you should explore somewhere else. I think you have, like, you're good at what you do, but I think you have other potential that that, that you can probably help more people. Uh, and she said, like, you can't get up at 4.45 every morning and sustain a living that way. I was like, all right, that's a good point. Um, so I moved back home. A friend of mine um, got into CrossFit, got me into CrossFit. So I was like, oh, this is great. This is a different kind of fitness. I've never trained like this before. I was really into it until I got hurt and I injured my back. So I couldn't walk for like two weeks. Literally, I was crawling everywhere. And during that time, like Mobility Wad, which is like Kelly Starter, was really big. Uh, it's kind of like a different kind of PT because I, I didn't know what physical therapy was. I never got hurt before. And I started doing some stuff on my own. I went and saw a PT and a week later I was able to walk. My pain's gone. Just doing like repeated extension, all of that stuff. But back then I didn't know that. So I was like, oh, this is witchcraft. Like, I, I... <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope everybody thinks that. <laughs> yeah. And at that point on, I was like, this is really cool. Like I know how to get people stronger. But when people were in pain, when I was doing personal training, I didn't know how to help them. So I was like, what if I learn how to help them get through the pain and then help them continue on their path of fitness or whatever it is they, they want to get into. I was like, that's got to be really, really cool. So I decided that moment I was going to, you know, pivot into the physical therapy route, uh, took some more prereqs, uh, did some shadowing hours, and applied to the one school that's closest to my house, uh, which is Dominican College, but now it's Dominican University. And I got in, and then the rest is kind of history. Wow, that's so cool. There's so many things I want to ask you. Getting back to CrossFit for a moment, mm -hmm. because I've actually treated a couple of people who had an, you know, got like, it was, it was at the low back. So I'm curious, do you know what move it was you were doing? It was running and front squat. Yeah. It was like, I was lifting under fatigue. And during that time, you know, as a competitor, especially in, in a CrossFit setting, what you don't do is you don't listen to your body mm -hmm. and you're just trying to always beat somebody else. And I think that's, why sometimes most people get hurt because they kind of put away their own intuition. And you and I know in life, if you don't listen to your own intuition, that's when bad things happen. Yeah. No, I, I, I always, when people would ask me about CrossFit, I said, there's so many factors. One, it's like, how are the coaches? How, like, how much are they, you know, paying attention to form and teaching you that? But then there, I said, the only thing that bothers me is this intensity to do as much as you can with as much load as you can for as fast as you can. And that 
that is like a formula for giving up form mm -hmm. if, unless that's really been, you know, um, pounded in your head. So it's it's a interesting idea. But yeah, there's and I think it does really kind of help people get in great shape and and find that competitive edge. The other thing I wanted to ask you is going back to like coming from a different culture. Do you feel like your work ethic was um, carried over with you? I mean, it sounds like you've just worked hard for a long time mm. and that comes naturally to you. Did you see your parents do that? Is that something you saw in Thailand? I'm just curious from my own knowledge. I think I, I can just speak based on from my family background. We always work together. Like even in Thailand, like my mom would work. She has a really good corporate job. My dad was in the army. And like there's major holidays in Thailand where everyone in the family would get together and then we would the, the big thing in, in Thailand is, uh, especially for my family, is they they sell like bouquet of flowers on like graduation day. So I remember early on that it's a family thing that we do. We worked and we like disperse and, and we, we sell stuff. Like I, I that's all I knew. Um, I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's a culture thing. Um, just because it was a culture thing, then I think Thailand as a country would be a different scenario, right? I think it's a family thing. That's something that yeah. we was brought up to do. And, you know, they worked hard then and then they had to work even harder when they moved here. So I've just, you know, I've just always seen them working hard. And I think if you see that enough, um, uh, the, the battle for me is like when I know I don't have to work that hard anymore, I just have to work smarter. It's falling back to the trap where I can just outwork my problems. Yeah. And I mean, I, I feel like that it's I, I do think the family thing is really important because mm -hmm. it's been modeled and then it's been ingrained. And then it's just this idea of like problem solving all of the the stuff that you need for PT school and then and then owning your own business and all that. So let's venture to that. So you graduate from PT school. Mm -hmm. Did you go immediately and work in a clinic for someone else? No, I had no desire to have oh, my own business. Oh, look at you. You yeah. really were a yeah. rebel. Yeah. Yeah. No, no desire to own my own business because my parents opened up a Thai restaurant and I saw the struggle of owning their own business, like worked every single day. Um, to the point they were so burned out, they end up just selling the restaurant. So for me, I was like, all right, I put in all this w hard work up front, which is getting my doctorate. I deserve to have some sort of stability where I can just show up to work, be home with my wife, have dinner, this and that, and then just c climb up the corporate ladder. Like seriously, that that was my game plan. Um, and then after around like a year in to uh, working into a big corporate setting, I realized like, that was not going to be it. Like I could do that, have the stability uh, to to just have good income, but I'm constantly just sacrificing a piece of my soul and my integrity every single day because I'm not able to treat my patient to the best of my ability. Not because I'm not capable, but it's because the constraint which placed upon me based on the setting I was at, which is seeing three patients an hour, um, you know, coming home, making sure I do my documentation, uh, which is obviously important. But if you're seeing three patients an hour and everyone's always running late and by the time I get home, it's nine o'clock, I eat dinner and I do notes. And after a year of that, I'm just like, man, like what, what else is there? Is this it? Like, that's all I, that's the one thing I kept coming to myself. Like, is this it? Like, I'm, this is my life. This is what's going to be for the next 30, 40 right, and years of my life. That's really not much different than the workload you would have if you work for yourself. Yeah. Right. And then you'd have, you know, you'd take on risks, but mm -hmm. they- you, the rewards would be because you to can me, do it the way you want. The reward was to be able to give the best care possible for my patient. And 
I take pride in what I do. And I also, I, I just really want to help people. And when someone come in and they, they clearly need all the attention, but I'm not able to give it to them because they're constrained. Um, to me, I'm, I'm not living up to my own standards. So at that point, I started to look around uh, to see what else is out there. And during that time, around 2017, there really weren't much. Um, I would be just, just be doing the same thing, but just wearing a different polo. So I started question question a lot of things, right? Question the models, question why we are the way we are. In the beginning, everyone blamed insurance. Um, and I was on part of that. I was like, oh, this insurance sucks. This is why we're, we're, we are where we're as our profession. And then I'm like, all right, now I'm just going to do what I used to do is that I'm just going to go back to be a personal trainer, but add PT into that, right? And people used to pay me over $100 for me to solve their problem as a personal trainer, why wouldn't they pay me more now that I have a doctorate? But sadly, it was mistaken, and people would not pay for that. Um, so I, I learned very quickly, and at that point, I just got through, like, massive depression. Like, I'm just like, I don't know what else to do, um, you know. So you're saying at that point, you had this desire, you were going to do your own thing, charge a little bit more money, thinking, of course, people that are in pain and want like actual quality attention would pay, but you weren't actually seeing people willing to pay that. No. That is what is so, and I can't, I feel like jumping on like a rock somewhere and I just posted about it today on my Instagram. It's like, why, like I'm not, I know everybody's financial comfort is different, mm -hmm. but if you just peel back and think of yourself in your later years, hoping that we'll all live a long life. Like, what are you going to look back on? You're going to look at how well you took care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Because what the way you take care take care of yourself is really um, a small ecosystem that is, that, you know, ripples out. Mm -hmm. uh, and the the fact that so many people don't see that necessity, really, that that's where they should spend their money mm -hmm. instead of buying a thing that they in 30 years aren't going to really, you know, think much of mm -hmm. putting it and investing it in their health. What are your what is what have you found um, that people would say? I mean, yes, it's expensive, but what what is the reason that they don't feel like that that it's worth the money to actually go to somebody who is highly educated, therefore more likely to really um, help you exponentially? I can say a lot, a couple things on this. Uh, first thing is I think us as provider in the healthcare industry, we do a really bad job at branding ourselves to say like, hey, here's a problem that we solve, this and that, uh, compared to, let's say, people in the finance field where they do a really good job at branding themselves. It's like, why is it that is that people are able to put $15,000 aside every single year to invest in their retirement, right? But the way I see it is, why don't we do the same thing when it comes to our health? So to me, it's a branding and marketing issues than anything. I think it's a lack of clarity as what we do as physical therapists, as a healthcare provider. Um, you know, I just recently did a talk at uh, my PT school and I asked them like, what do you think is it that, what, what is it that we, we're really good at? And they raised their hand. They're like, oh, we're really good at movement. I was like, all right. I was like, all right. If I asked the same question, but with a bunch of personal trainers, what do you think they would say? They would say exactly what you just said. I said, what else are we good at? 
And they're like, oh, we're really good at like listening to people and finding out their pain problem. I was like, all right, cool. If I get a room full of psychologists, what do you think they would say? Right? And is we have an identity crisis where we don't know what we're good at, right? I, I took a continuing education course and this one guy just say like, what we need to say is like, we're pretty much the greatest head of evidence-based practice. And we help people solve pain problem through movement and other intervention. I was like, great, I can hang my head on that. So I think it's a branding problem. That's why people don't view us as the solution, right? As someone that can help them. So if you can't say what you do, how do you get people to raise their hand to say, please help me? Um, and also we're, 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 we're battling big corporations that are taking over healthcare industries, industry, but also back battling like, you know, big pharmaceutical company who market pain relief at $5, like with Advil and stuff. So if we market pain relief, why would they come to us? Go to CVS, get Advil. Now they save an hour of their time and the commute time and all this struggle to come to us, right? So I think it's, it's a brand issue. And the second thing is within our culture in America, especially, uh, we love instant gratification mm. and there's there's beauty when it comes there's beauty in life when it comes to dealing with personal tragedy. And the reason I say this I lost my dad in 2019 and that has changed my perspective tremendously. I wouldn't care about my my health as much. Now I'm very conscious. Like I do my zone do cardio all the time. I'm taking care of my heart health. But again, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't think about that. And most of the times we are very blessed as as society that we don't have to go through those hardships so much. But once you go through those hardships, then you realize like, oh my God, I really need to invest in my health. So that's why people who are in the sandwich generation where they see the parents are declining and they're like, oh crap, like that's me in like 10 years. I don't want to look like that or I don't want to be limited like them. And they see their kids who also a younger version of them is like, oh my God, I used to be so lively. I used to be so useful. I was like, I want to get that back. So that's why those are the people that, in a way, are willing to invest in their health because yeah. they see both sides. I love the I love that you pinpointed that it, it's a branding issue because I feel like I have that in lit yoga in a lot of ways because we are much more than yoga. We I incorporate physical therapy and functional mobility and, and education. Um, so it's not just kind of telling you how to move around the mat and doing all these things, but um, it's still we're always looking how to crystallize that information in a compact soundbite to to make people realize this is something different. This is worth spending money on, and it's still very reasonable, I think. What have you done in your own branding that you felt has worked well to give people that, like, one-minute elevator pitch that they're like, yeah, I actually want to come to your clinic? Yeah, I think is getting down and deep into who can I best serve. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, the, the, the one thing I have to realize was I was not the solution for everyone and is was unethical of me to tell everybody that I can solve all their problems and clearly I cannot. So what I did was I was like, all right, who do I like to work with and how can I get them the fastest results possible based on the, the, the time investment, the, the financial investment that they're giving me. And based on that, I was like, okay, I like to work with active population, an active adult who, again, who likes to stay fit, stay active, and they want to live the way 
they envision themselves living, right? I think that's the biggest thing. If yeah. they have that in their mind, that's what they want to do. They want to pursue that, right? And they see value in that. And also, this go into like all my younger athletes who these are kids who have aspiration of playing at a higher level, right? These are people that are willing to invest time and resource to do that. So from that point, I would say, okay, these are the people that I can best serve and they understand the value I provide. So I then start creating my whole business around that, my message, whatever I do, even like my uh, my clinic, right? When people walk in, like I want them to have that feeling. Oh my God, I'm about to go into like a division one, like weight room, right? I want the, you know, the active adult that come in that might be older. They're like, oh my God, I'm about to kick some butt. And that's, that's the environment that I set. Um, like, so to answer your question, it's is, like training for life. Right? Yes, it's not exactly. just like coming in yeah. and getting like a, somebody's passively moving your joints. It's yeah. like, you're going to come and yeah. And I think it's just focusing, shifting from like lifespan into health span. Mm. And I think that's a new concept, right? Where yeah. the lifespan is how long do you live? The health span is how well do you live? And I think we don't emphasize on how well people live. And you know what I found, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen this as well is people get a pretty rigid mindset about their their perceptions of what they're capable of or even, you know, what they're not capable of. Mm-hmm. You know? So someone gets used to living with a low degree of discomfort and they just think that's part of aging or that's just me. My mom had it. My sister has it. Um, how do you address those people who come in and are like, I don't think I can, you know, really do that or do this? Like... How do you, do you kind of come in a side door and, and intervene in a way that shows them that? I think um, the best approach I've found is meeting meeting them where they are. Yeah. So I, I, you know, just like when we talk to small children or anyone, we you get to their level and say, hey, where are you? Cool. Like, what is the one quick win I can get you for you to like start changing your, your beliefs a little bit, right? Yeah. So for me, like people like to have, Again, when it comes to New New Year resolution, people fail because they set this grand big goal. And once it seems impossible, they stop. So for me, I try to get all my patients away from that mindset immediately. I say, okay, cool, you're coming in. Within the next three weeks, I want to see this. And when you get here, this is when you get this range of motion, this will allow you to do X, Y, and Z. So I link the small goal that we're going to get that seem insignificant to them to the bigger picture. So from there, they kind of follow the breadcrumbs. And all I'm trying to do is just habit stack each oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. I love that. I talk about a lot about habits. So um, talk about the name of your clinic. How did you come up with it? What does it mean? What is like your mission statement? Okay. So uh, myokinetics just kind of came to me like when I was sleeping. Um before I was, I, I had two names, right? The first one was myokinetics and the second one was vector because I'm like a little bit of a nerd. So like vector is direction of force. Love it. So like, it's like guiding people. But during that time, like despicable me, despicable me just came out and the villain name is vector. Ah. So I was like, I'm not going to go with that. Yeah. Um, so myokinetic just really spoke to me. Uh, myo is muscle, right? Mm-hmm. Kinetics is movement. So that's exactly what we do. And I want to be a movement driven clinic. So I was like, oh, why not just go with that name instead. Yeah. Um, and um, that's always a mission that that I had. And um, and it just kind of set us apart in some way where it's not any like, you know, like 
we've been to PT where like, oh, it's sport meds, it's sport this, it's sport that. And to be honest, for the first two years, I didn't have the name physical therapy in my company at all. It was uh, performance and recovery, right? And then people were kind of getting confused. Like, wait, are you guys PTs? Are you guys trainers? What do you do? Like, And I knew that we were on the right path because people were kind of confused. And that's how it should be because we're breaking the mold, right? If they can say, oh, these guys does PT, then it's like, all right, now we're just fitting the standard. We want to you know, change the standard. And um, going back to the mission statement, the mission statement is to inspire hope and contribute to the health and well-being to people around the world. And the the word hope just means so much to me. Um, you know, I, I, I talk to my team about this all the time. And I'm a big sci-fi Star Wars nerds. And like one of the biggest quote in uh, Rogue One is that rebellions are built from hope. So I think for us to start a movement, especially within ourselves, we need to have hope. Because if you're not hopeful, why would you change your circumstances? So that's that's always been been my mission. Yeah, and I love hope because it's an optimism, but it's an optimism that requires action. It's not just like, yeah, let's just, you know, think positively. It's really like, well, I hope to be my best and there's going to be actions that I need to take to make that a reality. Mm-hmm. So it's a beautiful word. I love that. Yeah, and hope is a prerequisite for action. Oh, absolutely. Otherwise, you're apathetic or or just yeah inert mm-hmm. so how do you get people coming to your clinic um this is for anybody like who's listening who might be a pt or have a, be a yoga teacher or have some kind of private um business and customers are you know our bit you know they drive our business mm-hmm. so we like to get people to come in by just starting a relationship. So for me, the way I get to serve uh, my patient is is how do I provide as much value as possible without them even giving me anything. So like from the website, from the content, from social media, from everything, all we're trying to do is just provide value. And and what I want to, I, I want to earn people trust by just letting them see like who we are and being transparent in everything that we do. And like I've been really fortunate to be in business for five years and the people I get to be a part of, especially in their, in, in their lives and even referral partners who share the same value and same principle. Like I, I'm, I'm incredibly thankful for that. Now we have strength coaches, yoga's instructor, um, you know, even high school coaches, athletic trainer, like surgeon, doctors. These are people who align with our values. And just because I believe in putting out positivity. You you put out what you, and and you attract what you put out. Uh, it's been great because the people that come to us, you know, most likely I love working with coaches and, and trainer, right, and even yoga instructor. Is that, you know, I'm always learning. So whatever I learn, I try to share it with the community. I'm just trying to serve the community as much as possible. So we'll host workshop. Uh, last year we did this one thing. It was pretty cool. Last minute, I, I call it pelvic con. So we call all the coaches personal trainers, small group instructor that to our clinic and we closed out a clinic for the whole Saturday just to educate them like, hey, these are the symptoms of pelvic floor. These are what you can do for, for to serve your community better. This is how you become better coaches. And if you need any help from us any farther, please let us know. And I think that's the way I've been getting new patients is because I'm just here to serve the community. Mm, I love that. 
I know that you look at each individual globally, not as, you know, like, oh, you have this knee issues or whatever. But if you could, from a PT standpoint, if you had to like code, what what are you what do you see the most um, that is uh, maybe dysfunctional or uh, coming with whether it's an injury or just needing to improve performance? Is there an area of the body or mechanics that you feel like are addressed regularly or is it just kind of all over the map? So um, my clinic, we position ourselves as almost like a last resort kind of clinic. So we get people who have failed multiple attempts at PT, chiropractor, whatever it is, or someone who have season ending injury like ACL tear, UCL tear. And, you know, they want to make sure that they, they're they in the right hands pretty much. Um, what I've seen the most, it's not a mechanical thing, but rather a lack of communication. And I think that's why I would say 80% plan of care fail is because the therapist, due to the environment constraint that placed upon them, do not have the time or the resources to communicate effectively with the patient. And that's why us having a one-on-one model for a whole hour gave us the leverage of saying like, hey, let's talk it out. What worked? What didn't work? What are you trying to do? What do you want to get to? Why does that? Why is that important to you? Like, what else do you need? So I think if we can communicate effectively, chances are the plan of care will go through really well because we have better rapport, right? And the patient wants to feel that they have a team behind them. And that's what I say to every single new patient that we have is that we have four great clinicians, like besides myself. And when someone's come in, I say, hey, listen, this is how it works. You get to see me, but you also get to see all these other clinicians, right? We want to pair you up with the best clinician, but also we want other people to see how you move because I don't want my own biases to limit their potential of what they could be. So having other set of eyes on them is a lot better, right? So that's the approach that we have. And what's cool is that all of us, the clinicians, speak the same language. We might have different treatment, different things, but we know the outcome. We know what's the end going to look like. And we talk about it too. If we disagree, I was like, no, like, let's come to term of what do you think, based on what the patients say they want to do, what is that going to look like for them? And how do we reverse engineer that whole process to get them there? And would you say, again, not trying to be cookie cutter, but I know these are the type of questions people would love, is that in general, whether it's somebody who's an athlete or somebody who's, you know, an office worker but wants to stay in shape, um, are people generally lacking strength, generally lacking range of motion, flexibility, quote, quote, um, where do you, what do you see? If, if I'm going to be extremely biased, I think um, we lack stimulus in both strength and range of motion. Uh, and yes, yeah, so, uh, so we're, we're pretty much underperform uh, when it comes to our uh, physical aspect. So we're under challenge as well. So for example, the, everything that designed for us to use is to make our lives a lot easier. And therefore, we're not as resi- resilient as we used to be. So, you know, for for, for you to, again, this is, I, I love this, this thing, right, where people say when it's snowing out, most people get a heart attack. And because they, they're not used to working vigorously at that intensity of lifting heavy load and moving in different direction, right? People often throw their back out when they have to go shovel snow. So because we're, we're under stimulus, when it comes to that. And, you know, the fact that you and I set out time aside to 
train our bodies. And the training is great for the mind, but also it's great to prepare what's life going to throw at you. Um, so I 100% like where, like back in my day when I was uh, training CrossFit, I transitioned to weightlifting. Mobility is a huge thing. Like I need overhead mobility, but I also need overhead stability. And that comes with strength. So from from my journey standpoint, like you you will only attain what you train. And if you don't train your range of motion, you don't train stability, you don't train strength, you will not have those things. And for us as society, like we're, again, since COVID, we sit a lot more, we work remotely. And, you know, be, because of that, we're, we're unchallenged. And when you're unchallenged, that's when you are more, the most compromised to illness and et cetera. Yeah, I love that answer. I, I always talk about like movement variability is um, not infinite, but it's it's way up there. And yet we have really limited our movement experience just in our modern day life. I think even pre-COVID, people sitting a lot more and just becoming, a, you know, and it's like the whole Newton's law, things at rest want to stay at rest. Like you have to overcome some of the um, those forces on you. And you have to realize, like you said, you've got it, you've got to put something in, buzz you up, get you moving, moving in a variety of ways, adding some demand. And it's so good for your body. It's so good for your brain. It's so good for your emotional state to to have those challenges. I just taught a class today and it was called um, the atmosphere of growth. And it's this idea of, well, that saying is actually not mine. I, I want to give credit always. It's from a book uh, about the happiness project that Gretchen Rubin wrote. And that was one of the kind of pillars was atmosphere of growth. And it's this, uh, and it's, we want to be able to think like, I can change the way I move, the way I feel. But that's that hope, that that feeling of like, can I have that invitation for growth? And part of growth is also observing where you are and examining your tendencies. So if you do tend to sit a lot, there's got to be some kind of like stimulus in there to get you uh, growing, get you moving, get you changing, um, get you having more energy. So there's so many techniques behind that, but I, I love that um, that that we need more stimulus. I yeah. totally agree. And you know, what? I kind of want to ask you on this too. I would love your take on this. Mm-hmm. This is the question I've been asking a lot of people when I meet them: is um, what what are your thoughts on like happiness? I prefer the word purpose, and um, and then the things that surround that. And actually, there has been some research on it. People. Um, find more joy and fulfillment and contentment in life when they are connecting to purpose versus striving for happiness. Happiness is a is a beautiful word. It's a state of being, but I don't think it's an end goal. I think you have to be connected to your purpose, your core values, your life, and in alignment. I talk a lot about that on the mat and in life. Like, When we pay attention to alignment, we're not just paying attention to it biomechanically or like some kind of rigid construct, but this overarching idea that if we pay more attention as we move, as we breathe, inevitably that spills over and we pay more attention in our life and we might catch ourselves like, is this really something that's in alignment with who I am? And I think when we kind of close the gap between acting in ways that aren't in alignment making choices that are in alignment and everything becomes more in alignment, more in tune, that is what brings us that sense of like 
peace, happiness, contentment. Um, but I think, yeah, when, you know, if you were to say, are you happy? I think the, I would reframe it like I'm really purposeful and fulfilled and feel joy. All of that is happiness in a way, but it's not like just this kind of idea. If yeah. That makes sense. No, I, it makes sense. I think to me, like I like to keep it simple. Uh, the way I looked at happiness is, uh, is, it's a moment to moment thing. Yes. Uh, if I have to like put it down a sentence, it's like the way I view my own happiness is happiness for me is the moment when I decided to get up after I fell on my way to discovering my purpose. Mm, I love that. I love that. That's resilience. And that's like, um, uh, yeah. And I think like you said, um, the moment to moment thing, because if we're thinking of happiness, it's never going to be every single moment. Mm -hmm. And so it's like being able to handle like you lost your dad. I lost my dad in 2019. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a sadness. Like, like yeah. I'll cry talking about it. It's so hard. But it also there's lots of joy because I have that love is so huge. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and I was having a conversation with a group of friends uh, in Dallas, and we were talking about even the concept of purpose, right? And again, I, I would love your thought on this. We were talking about how, again, everything is commercialized. I think it's commercialized on happiness. If you go back 10 years ago and you look at the amount of books at Barnes & Noble that have happiness title into it, I'm sure there's a lot. Now they shift from happiness to purpose. And it's almost, um, we're talking about, there's this concept of like, Shaming people for not having a purpose. Oh, wow. We could go down a rabbit hole yeah. here because I have this exercise in one of my level two modules mm. where we just, I like ask a lot of questions and it's like core values and then purpose. And there'll be some people who it really is upsetting because they're like, oh, I don't really know. And it's like, it's an inquiry. I The investigation is not an answer with a, you know, a period at the end. It's an, it should be kind of, I think in a way, shape-shifting, like it should, yeah, are you in alignment with your core values? But the purpose doesn't necessarily need to be something that you can articulate. Mm -hmm. It's a feeling. Like, yeah. you know, you wake up in the morning and you feel like excited about what you're doing with your life, mm -hmm. in your professional life, in your, you know, personal life. And and that's always a like a, a balancing act. It's mm -hmm. not like, again, just a, a scale that's going to, you got it. You know, it's not like this boom point it's like okay am i am i am i giving and give it getting enough in my relationships mm -hmm. and you know just going down that path but i agree with you like sometimes if you ask like what's your purpose to somebody it's like oh ooh, i don't know you know it's just you know people might think oh to make a lot of money or to like get married and it's like no it's more i think um esoteric and also simple in a mm -hmm. way it's like what could you with in the morning like are you you know, the people that work to um, in to work to make money to enjoy something else and don't really enjoy working, some people would say, wow, what are you doing? You're not. But I say, OK, every everybody's um, kind of version of it can can look different, you know, so maybe they're not loving every moment of their job. That might not work for you or me, but it works for them because it allows them the financial freedom or other kind of freedom to do the things that they really love that they couldn't otherwise do. So I think it shouldn't be limiting. It should really just be like, it's kind of like a philosophical question. 
Yeah. More and, than anything. I don't and, think you have to have an answer. <laughs> and I think people, society dictates that we have to have a concrete answer. Then otherwise, then you don't know where you're going and you're aloof. But I would say like 80% of the time I feel like aloof. But if I have 20% direction, I think I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> totally. good. I mean, we were just talking about like in my house, like I showed you where I had my yoga studio at home. And then I just was like, well, I better... I never had that purpose of like, I'm going to do this, mm -hmm. this, this. But I think it's an inner listening that points you in a direction that feels right. Yeah. You know, and that's again, it doesn't it doesn't have to be defined. And like you said, if it's 20 percent of the time, that's great. That's something that's not sitting in apathy and just like doing what everybody. I think if, can you stand in your own kind of soul and dictate the direction you want to go? That is the most you know, in line with what your beliefs are, I think that's really purpose versus doing what somebody is expecting you or culture or whatever and it not necessarily being in line with what you want. Yeah, and, and, and like, to me, like, just, again, purpose is like having a compass. You're not looking at the compass all the time when you're, when you're walking. Again, I'm, like, I use GPS, right? But I don't look at yeah. it all the time. That's what a yeah. compass is now, modern yeah. day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and one of our core values at, Myokinetics is be on purpose, and and I, I love that so much because is define societal norms, right? And think about it. Every time someone does something wrong, people always say you did that on purpose. But what about when I do something right? Why do you say that I did that on purpose? So I'm just like, you know what? I'm gonna make this a core value because everything that we do has to be on purpose. And purpose is just saying doing the thing that you say you were gonna do, right? Having the attention behind and actually execute on that intention it's like integrity yeah yes because you, you and i know in healthcare and i think especially you now because of how big you are how widely recognized you are there's an always an ethical dilemma of business opportunities just like myself all that stuff where things presented itself whereas might be a good opportunity intention is clear but you know the action on uh in which we execute on that could be a little bit murky and therefore it's not purposeful and it's not that's why it's so hard to be ethical as the more big you are the more well-known you are and, and you can see how some people ended up losing their ways the bigger they get oh yeah oh totally well yeah i feel kind of like a little bit in a um you know not not a like in a vault i'm not aware i, I don't think i'm aware um of you know the impacts so much except for the people that i interact with <laughs> and some also being older, I think really helps like, cause I'm very, I've, I've lived more years in my, in my bones and my, my understanding of myself. And I think that always helps. Don't you? Yeah. And I think having a great team around you. Oh my God. I have the best <laughs> team. Shout out to live yeah. yoga team. Oh yeah. my gosh. It's we, so We can have true. a toss up. Who has a better team? I bet we <laughs> both have amazing teams. How's that? Yeah. I think that's really um, crucial because people can try and go at things alone and they can be successful, but you're always going to be more successful and more content when you have others who are contributing and um, you're elevating them too. You know, it's like a, it's like this wonderful symbiotic relationship where everybody's kind of winning. And it's so much more fulfilling. Yeah, and it's not fun. Yeah, like no. do, do it, you do it all yourself. Yeah, no. And let me tell you, I suck at so many things. Like. I could, I have people doing, not, I do my own social media. That's about the only thing I do. But I mean, I film, I educate, but there's a lot of stuff that mm -hmm. I, you know, in terms of managing and organizing, 
I'm kind of like a crazy scientist that like leaves their lab that has all the stuff. You know, I'm just like, there's certain things I'm just really, I, I'm I'm so much better off having like those Virgos in my life who are like, we got to get this done. It's got to look like this. We're mm-hmm. going to organize. It's great. It's No, it, and you me. and I are the same, like where like, like I, I love my team to death. Like they're, they're great. And the one thing I always say, like I'm smart enough to know that I'm dumb. So mm-hmm. like, I love so, that. So, so people can always like give me feedback and all of that. And you and I are similar where, Tony Robbins talk about this where like we're we're like the artists in our business, right? That's all we're trying to do is 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 using our creativity to create a better product to to solve the problem for the people, right? And and solve the next problem for them before they realize that they have a problem, right? And that's what we're trying to do. That's why Lit Yoga has grown to the way it is because you're constantly innovating. And for me, what I take pride on is being able to innovate and take different things from different businesses, different field. And apply it to the model that I have for for healthcare, in way to serve the the patient even harder, like serve them like to the point that I I want them to feel like man like I, why wasn't I not here sooner? I like oh my god they helped me solve my pain problem, but also eight other problems I didn't know I had, and it, to me that gets me so excited every single morning because I'm like all right how do I tackle this on how do I make it better like by just me starting a podcast in 2020. I'm like, that's the way I'm going to serve my patient because we're, we're shut down. We're not allowed to see patient. And I don't want people to lose hope. Mm. I know it's the whole point of having a podcast. So I'm always thinking of like refining things. And I had a deep conversation with a buddy of mine where he's like, dude, if someone come up, give you 10 million, like, would you take it and sell the practice? Like, honestly, no, because I wouldn't know what to do. I, I totally agree. I, 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 yeah, we are cut from the same cloth because I'm excited. Like, I've taught thousands of classes and thousands of people. And yet every day there is a sense of a little novelty. And I think it's because of my creativity. And this is really important for people listening. If you are not as creative, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You might be more organized. I think it's really amplify your strength mm-hmm. and don't necessarily try and do the things you're not good at. Because I know my creativity and my juice and my like just vision would be super dampened if I had to spend energy doing the stuff that I don't like, that I'm not good at. It would really drag me down. And so as soon as you can, if you're working for yourself, as soon as you can squeak out a little, you know, of your cash flow to somebody to do, to allocate, that would be my, my, you know, my best piece of advice Mm -hmm. uh, because it slows you down and you at investing now will will you you know you'll get the investment back tenfold, um, but it's always scary when you're not necessarily ma- seeing a lot of influx and you're doing it all and you just feel like you know that kind of scarcity. They're like I don't have I don't have enough to pay somebody else to do something. Do it like scrounge to do it because it'll free you up so you can be in your lane of your whatever your like you know geniuses and it can it it just is it's really magical and I think that is the beauty of a team is really recognizing everybody's strength. But that's also go against like societal teaching, right? I think I think we're on a path. I think it seemed like this podcast is going yeah. debunking societal yes. false belief yes. where you have to be good at everything, Mm-mm. right? No. When you go on Instagram, there's someone who's doing something better than you and you feel less than from the beginning. Like how do you win from that, right? So in, in, in your journey, how did you realize like, hey, that's my zone of genius. It's okay for me to let go of not being good at eight other things because I'm good at these two things? Uh, Well, I think I did it slowly enough and everything, most of my journey into like 
having a studio and all that was still very much based on my creativity. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, like logistical things, how to check people in, how to take money. I didn't advertise for two years. I didn't even really understand. I didn't know marketing was a needed thing because I had done so much. I had so much word of mouth. So a lot of it was like luck in that way. And then once I started to expand more and need more, I it's like I attracted the people. Mm. I, what I've been really lucky about is people who recognized like what I was offering was really unique and and cool and felt compelled to help me because they saw like you're kind of like a magician in this way mm -hmm. and I could really help you get out there more because I'm really good at this. I'm a magician in this way. Like I'm a really good marketer and all that. So some of it I, I, in all honesty was just I really had so many amazing people literally come up and like let me help you. I mm -hmm. feel you could do this. I could do that. And I I was open to it. So I think my my creative juices were always there and then it's like, "Oh, okay, sure. That sounds like a great idea." Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's some of it was just organic and and taking the time and I think it's also important for people to realize. I mean, 5 years that's still very like no time at all, but mm -hmm. when you start something, it don't be in a rush, like um, be true to yourself, obviously get out there and work hard, but things do take time. They yeah. really do. Yeah. And this is why I love like working out and yoga, right? Because you yeah. go at it all the time. And there's, there's something true with working out is time under tension. You just go reps after reps, just like pose after pose. Like you do your warrior one pose until you can own that pose. And then you know, you slowly just keep scale. I get, listen, like the, the whole headstand progression is fantastic, right? Because. From, Except we don't do headstands and lit. Yeah. But I like, mean. Yeah, you get it. But you it. know, like. Yeah. That, just the progression of like in any kind of progression. Yeah. Whether it's in a yoga pose or in the weight room, it's like you build and you build slowly and you, can I handle this? Okay. I'm going to add more load. And I always say like, don't be in a rush to get somewhere because there's nowhere you're going to get, right? Yes. There's not like a point. You're like, I got it. Boom. I've hit the button. You know, it's like every day is a new um, opportunity to to kind of challenge yourself more from where you are yeah. at that point. Yeah. And I think that's why going back to like the the way the clinic set up where what we're trying to get away from and maybe subconsciously, I haven't verbalized this. This is the first time I verbalized it, is we're trying to get people away from the if-then fallacy, right? When they come in, they say, if I can run then I can do this. If I can do this, then I can be a better mom, right? I, I think what we're trying to do in, in a subconscious way, when people come in, it's like, no, you're good enough. Less, because you're good mm -hmm. enough, now you deserve the best care and this is why you deserve to do X, Y, and Z. So we like literally just flip it the other way because most people, most of the time when people don't come see us sooner, it's because they don't feel like they are worthy of our kind of service. They're not worthy, right? They Again, because lit is different than regular, you know, mass media yoga where most people come in like oh i can't do headstand so i'm not gonna do lit yoga right but then you have right. to come in it's like no 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 no, that's not what we do here's how we do it this is what we do and because you know you're not ready it's when you're ready so why don't we just do it yeah i love that i love that and i do think um like you're i think that's a great way of approaching it like you are worth it you're already good enough you you know like this is just going to um reveal it more to you and that's really what we're trying to do is through education and empowerment like recognize your your greatness yeah yeah I, I i think the the business you create the space you create for your community i think is it just speak volume on 
the fact that this is the place where people can just be who they are and be on their own journey, right? And if you look in the world, there's really not much uh, of, of that around because anywhere you look is there's always a constant, fe- again, capitalism strive on people not feeling good enough and they not feeling enough and they need the next thing and do this and that uh, under the sake of, you know, you can be more comfortable in your life, right? And every time, like, so um, I, I just like, I lost like 20 pounds like since last year. So I've been on like my, oh, wow. my health grind. Hmm. And the one thing I say to myself, if I go a little bit overboard uh, and my wife laughed at this, like, yeah, I'm just on my way to like get gout right now. If I'm just drinking red wine, eating seafood and steak. And mm-hmm. I just eva- imagine myself like in that movie Wally. I don't know if you know. Oh yeah. Everyone just laying down. Yeah. And like just order food and food just come in. And like next thing you know, they'll shoot a food for you. And then, <laughs> and then they'll ingest it. <laughs> for you like you know like people just don't want to do anything anymore uh yeah well we I, there is that like um you know it's almost it's almost in 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 I, I think i've read this as well but it really is serving some very instinctive primordial part of our brain which worked for us many you know thousands of years ago when we were trying to conserve energy and we still kind of tap into this like conservation of energy and you know, we don't we we have to do the opposite now. We actually flip the script and we need to move more. We need to um, pay attention to everything we put in our body and then how we're moving and living because we aren't actually we most of us aren't moving enough mm-hmm. um, and we don't need to conserve the energy for the most part. There's some people who are like doing hard labor and doing mm-hmm. physical stuff, but that's not our lifestyle is like you said is set up like park as close as you can order everything's come you know we don't really have to do and that's where like you know when people clock the steps they take in a day some people are like really against that because they think it's like punitive if you don't mark it and some people love that and I I don't do that but I feel like if that may if that helps you kind of assess because you have no mm-hmm. idea you've only yeah. lived in this space of who you've been who you've been it might be really nice to have like a tracking system, but not in a punitive way. But if that makes you feel punitive, if you do it, then don't do it. Like you've yeah. got to know yourself and know what you're inspired by. Mm-hmm. I think it's all going back to um, things you can take ownership of, right? Mm-hmm. I think the the overarching thing as far as like purpose, right? If you can take ownership of your action and the things that you do every day, you are on on your way to discovering your purpose. But if you're not taking ownership of your 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 situation, it in a way like you you're just giving your power away. Like I just the, obviously the the concept of like learn helplessness we all heard it. And there's also another book is called Learn Helpfulness, which is the opposite of that. Right? It's That's all like about, finding your purpose, or you didn't do that on purpose, or you did it on purpose. It's like reframing that. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. just pretty much just having the ability to say, hey, I totally messed up. That was on me. And I say, oh, because of that, here's what I'm gonna do differently. And I think that's that's the beauty of being a human being and that's the beauty of having free will where you get the ability to make your own decision. But with that decision come consequences you have to be okay with dealing with, but also learn from it and then make different decisions. Yeah, it's like having ownership. I Again, I don't think people are really necessarily taught that or modeled that. You see how people have, like all of us have a hard time saying like, oh, I didn't messed up on that or what. Maybe more with our loved ones. <laughs> yeah. It's always a big moment, right? Like people, people, and I think the reason you and I can have this kind of conversation and it's a little bit deep 
than a normal conversation that we would have at like a coffee shop or whatever. It's because we have more time to reflect. Mm-hmm. And us, like normal and and people, like when I was younger, I was only reflect when I do something really bad or someone just dumped me or like a big moment. Like, what did I do? What's wrong with me? And it's not from like, I, I don't go home and ask like, what's wrong with me today? But like in my journal, I write down like, cool, like what's the win today? All right, what can I do better tomorrow? And I'll write that down tomorrow. That's the first thing I see. I say, okay, here's why I didn't do so well. Here's what I'm looking to tackle on today. All right, great. Let's go. Can you give an example of that? I would just love to know, like, what is what would be, like, something that was a win and what is something that you would like to do better? Yeah, so, for example, I I, I like to get better at my, my home life, my own personal relationship, and, like, with my marriage. I think it's uh, – I Nick here that's with us, he, he just got engaged, and I told him, like, as soon as he got engaged, I said, look, there's no better feeling than just just to impress one person. But that doesn't mean it's easier. It's a lot harder because you have to go deep. So I'm constantly trying to go deeper in, in like with the relationship I have with my wife. So for example, like if we get to have dinner for half an hour, I would love to have it for 45. So now we can have a longer conversation. So then the next day I can say, okay, cool. Can I, or not can I, or how could I leave my office earlier so that way I can beat the traffic and then be home early, right? Something like that. It's, yeah. it's not a can I thing. Just right. you see how I right. have to like- Right, like how correct, can I, right. Yeah, correct yes. myself. Right. And like we all fall into this. Mm-hmm. Um, or like for me, every morning I take a cool shower and there's day where I just want to do it for a minute mm-hmm. rather than five, right? Yeah. So if I know I did it for a minute, then the next day is okay, maybe I'll do three minutes today just to make up for it. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And I think that, you know, that- yeah, like that how can I is really good. Um, one thing my husband does so well, and I'm trying to like infuse more of that, is that he he wakes up thinking about me and how to make my life better. And that's kind of how he's wired. And I'm not wired that way. It doesn't mean I'm not a good person. It's just like I'm one of four. I'm a triplet. I think I had a lot more like you got to take care of yourself a little bit. There's a lot of you there. And, you know, and so I'm really wired to like take care of my own needs and all that. Mm-hmm. I've been married 21 and a half years, so I, of course, think about him, but he literally wakes up and it's like, how can I support you today? What do you need? Mm-hmm. And so I'm really like, I need, I'm trying to do more of that automatically. And it's just, it's wonderful in a, in a healthy relationship, how you can really help each other grow mm-hmm. in becoming better versions of yourself. Yeah. And my wife's the same way. Yeah. Um, and she... Well, she I think doesn't. that allows us to do what we're doing. Let's exactly. be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Like, when... If I was married to somebody like me, I don't know, honestly, if I could do what I'm doing at this level um, because that person would be thinking about what they're doing mm-hmm. and all that. And it's, yeah, I think I think this is a really good shout out to all the partners out there who mm-hmm. really make um, make it possible. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. it's uh, it's. I think it's the best part. Like, the one quote I, I just read or tweet about it is like, there's no... Uh, you know, the external success would not make up for internal failure. Mm-hmm. And it's always good to go back because for us, it's, it's, it's so easy to just go and work and do all this thing because when work is fun, yes. it's really hard to pull back. Yeah, ex- it totally is. Like it really blurs the line and I've gotten a, a lot better at that. And some of it has been my team is bigger now too. And so I have a, I feel like this breathing room and space that I don't, I'm like, oh, I can, I don't have to think about it. Tonight, I can just close the computer and be with my husband and do something versus when I was, a, when it was a smaller team, I, I was doing more of the, some of those things that I didn't really like and was worried about and like 
felt like I needed to kind of answer this or answer that or do that. And it's just, and that's, it's, it's a balancing act and mm-hmm. you, and you, and you learn. So, um, well, we could talk forever and I love that. It. It's like two physios talking about life and love and pursuit of purpose. Yeah. Societal pressure. Yeah. <laughs> all of it. Um, yeah. so tell everybody where they can find out more about you, your offerings, whether it's online in person, all that good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, if you want to connect with me, uh, you can find me on all social media platform, uh, Dr. Natty, D-O-C-T-O-R dot N-A-T-T-Y. If you are in Jersey area and you would love uh, some help at my clinic, we would love to have you. Uh, you can find us at myokinetics, so M-Y-O-K-I-N-E-T-I-X dot com, or just find out on social media. Mm, wonderful. We'll have that on the show notes, so make sure you check out Natty and you have a podcast. Yes, uh, same thing, Myokinetic same thing. Podcast or yep. Badass Clinicians, which is a new one that's there to empower other clinics owner to you know, get their clinic in order, helping them how to scale, so that way we can create a greater impact and take back the healthcare industry that should be ours from the, in, in the beginning. Amen, amen, exactly. We wanna work for the people, not for the corporations. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. It was great to have you in person. You're so, like you have an energy that is just infectious, so I, um. I can't wait to visit your clinic and see you in action. And thank you so much for being here. No, thank you so much for having me. Uh, and a warm welcome for me and my team. And even the dog is, is fantastic. So I know. Orlando's, thank you. Orlando's lying here beside me. He's a good guy. Yes. So, yeah, we would love to have you in the clinic and even do a workshop. Yeah. We're open to it. All right. Sounds great. Well, for everybody listening, make sure you check out Natty. And as always, I'm pulling for you. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 